Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today I'm with frequent guest of the podcast. He's an activist, a writer, our state of the stack correspondent. He just published an article in the UK's The Independent entitled, We Need to Prepare Ourselves for the Possibility that Trump Will Lose in 2020, Then Refuse to Step Down. I'm excited to talk with him and see if he's been crushing buckets of Bud Light around the Orlando, Florida area. Corey Hill, how you doing, man? Doing well, uh, and as always, crushing buckets of Bud Light. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, I've i actually, so I'm recording this in Mississippi right now, and as you may know, it's a little bit cheaper than it is out in California over here. So uh, I'm, I'm, I've been loving getting just tr- cheap drink deals, and uh, gas is like $2 a gallon. It's fantastic. Should avail yourself of some hot boiled peanuts while you're in the region as well. Oh yeah, you're not kidding. Like those are. I actually had those a couple of days ago. Out of a, it, the gas station ones are the best in my opinion. I have to agree. I tried to make them myself, and it was not at all worth the labor investment versus the two fifty to get them out of a container in a crock pot in <laughs> the gas station. <laughs> um. Well, we could talk about peanuts all day. Um. Actually. Um, I thought that could be something we do, but instead, separate podcast. Yeah, that's a separate. That's 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 the follow up podcast to this one. Um, let's go and let's talk about your article. Uh, you you let's start with that because um, we've got a you are a state of the stat correspondent, so we're going to talk about the the stat in just a minute. But let's talk about let's talk about the article you wrote about. Uh, it's called "We Need to Prepare Ourselves for the Possibility That Trump Will Lose in 2020, Then Refuse to Step Down." Um, I guess why why did you want to get that in people on people's radar? Like, do you do you do you really think that's a realistic possibility? And uh, what will that do to the state of our democracy if it does? Sure, I think that the um, the Maya Angelou quote about when you know someone shows you who they are, believe them, has been making the rounds quite a bit lately, um, specifically because of Trump's behavior, and I think that. I wrote that article because I think I'm, I'm always kind of perplexed by the disconnect between what Trump has already done and shown himself capable of versus the argument that if he's cornered or when he's cornered uh, and, you know, every single passing hour shows further evidence of this, uh, that there is some barrier that he would just uh, respect when he has shown no inclination previously, nor have his enablers shown any inclination previously to respect any sort of, uh, you know, rule of law or norm when it comes to uh, maintenance of power or shielding themselves from consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I have to say, one of the most interesting points I think that you make in the article is that uh, Trump is a historically unpopular president. But that the perception is is obscured because you've got these diehard Trump supporters and their like eagle American flag Trump with an eight pack memes that they're tweeting out, and and that it's it's like this pushback in such a hardcore way that that people don't really, I guess the public perception is that he's not really that unpopular. Uh, but do you think like there's something like perhaps like a recession which has been brought up uh, that could like truly sink? support of of trump publicly yeah i think those are sort of two separate things i think that for that group um the fo- 
folks who show up, you know, who've gone to 20 rallies, for example, etc. It seems that they are more or less immune uh, to the actual actions that Trump takes. Um, either they don't hear about them, they're recontextualized in the way they get their information from Fox News, or even if it's, it's on its face, something that can't be explained away. Um, their investment in Trump and sort of their psychology around Trump is so far departed from reality. It's it's more like how uh, you know the folks in Guyana were feeling about uh, Jim Jones, and I don't think that there's a whole lot that will change that. What's been interesting to me, and kind of uh, touching on the unpopularity point, is that in the groups who maybe weren't that informed or were kind of, hey, let's give this guy a shot a few years ago, you've seen just these massive erosions of support for Trump in those groups, in in the independents or in women or whoever it is other than that that core group. I mean, you're talking about 15 and 20 point uh, slides towards disapproval, which is pretty significant. Do you, do you think, um, I, this is kind of jumping ahead of where I, I... I initially thought, but I, I want to get to that because you mentioned polls and you mentioned that in your article. Like, what gives you the confidence that these polls are are maybe uh, more accurate than what we saw in 2016 when everybody thought Hillary Clinton was going to take the White House and win? Sort of that silent Trump support that uh, maybe maybe it's not reflected in public polls, but when it comes to the ballot box in 2020 you know, maybe, maybe things change. Yeah. And I think that this is actually a a fairly complex question. So I'll do my best to consolidate it as much as possible, which is that, so Trump, a Trump didn't, uh, you know, win the popular vote. He won in the electoral college. He won by pretty small margins in a, in a, in a number of States. And, you know, Hillary's polling was that she was, uh, you know, two, two percentage points ahead sort of generally. So you have the ability in that instance for the Trump campaign to um, to take advantage of that closeness and to frankly take advantage of a of a criminal conspiracy in coordination with uh, a hostile foreign power that they were never held to account for um, to install themselves in office. And I think that what you see now, which gives me the the confidence and which is reflected in you know the behavior of the Trump campaign is a realization that we're not talking about uh, a marginal difference. We're not talking about two points. You're talking about significant erosion of support in all but those diehards in all the swing states. You know, when you see all these polling that shows them losing, you know, by 10 points to, you know, the top four folks who are on uh, in the Democratic primary at this point, I think the behavior um of the Trump campaign in response to this information is the best indicator that the, um, the people in their campaign that understand how this polling works and, and look at these trends have a pretty strong suspicion that, uh, in a, in a free and fair election, uh, it's not going to be the spitting distance that we saw in 2016 that let them, you know, wrinkle a number here or there and take, take the election. You're, you're talking about having to overcome, you know, six, seven, ten point spreads, which is a whole different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. And and do you think? I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about impeachment in a second. We're going to talk about uh, the the Republicans who try to censure Adam Schiff. 
but like you talk about the confidence you have this time around. Do you see anything we kind of mentioned a second ago, the possibility of the economy taking tanking, but like whether it's impeachment or anything else, do you, do you sense that there is like another ball that could drop, uh, that could, that could sink Trump's approval or disapproval even more so than, than we're already seeing it in these polls. Um, that would give you a little more confidence. And, and because right now, I'm not going to lie, Corey, you're toying with my emotions. You're pulling on my heartstrings right now because you've got me slightly optimistic, which I haven't been over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that it's sort of the the tension point in, in my own psychology as I go back and forth, which is that I, and the reason I wrote this article, which I had to keep the 700 words, I couldn't get everything in there, <laughs> is that I, I think that it's unlikely that, well, if you're going to ask me, it's impossible, and I could cite other examples, but it's unlikely that the criminal behavior on uh, the part of the Trump administration regarding Ukraine policy is the only instance of this type of behavior. Um, it it kind of strains credulity that, you know, based on what we know about their interactions um, with the Saudis, with the Qatar blockade and the refinancing of Kushner's property and um, with, you know, the pretty neat policy alignment between what Putin wants uh, kind of geopolitically and what uh you know, Trump ends up conceding. Uh, I think that there are, there are five or thirty other shoes that could drop regarding, you know, Trump's money laundering, regarding, um, you know, uh, campaign finance violations, et cetera, et cetera. What what I kind of go back and forth on on hopefulness and versus despair is um, it it still doesn't. Uh, it's still not clear to me what the Republican response is going to be moving forward to clear criminality. And, you know, as we're speaking, we're seeing some of that in the Republican response to testimony that's taking place today on the Hill where they, you know, they're stating a publicity stuff. They refuse to answer questions about the substance of, you know, the testimony, which is damning and are trying to kind of cook up these charades about process or about transparency, which is, hilarious uh on their part uh but i think that there's a cadre within the republican party who are just going to go down and uh you know fighting and so it sort of remains to be seen what what that will end up looking like for all of us in terms of what they're willing to do and what others are willing to do an orgy of corruption that's going to be Corey's next article in the new yorker which will allow him to have I think 17,000 words if he wants. Um, yeah, well, Conway got like a book's worth uh, <laughs> in the Atlantic when he talked about Trump's mental state. Um, can, can, you ima- <laughs> can, can you imagine if Kellyanne becomes the new chief of staff? I mean, which has been talked about here, and, and, and George is doing his book tour. I mean, like, that's Well, a, there's some speculation that she is the... Uh, you know, the anonymous op-ed writer of the, you know, we know Trump is crazy and we're doing everything we can to stop him, fame, who has a book coming out. I don't, I'm not 100% convinced, but. That could make sense. <laughs> that's, that, that's, I, I, I initially thought maybe that's Rex Tillerson, but uh, I don't know if he could write all that from the toilet, so. Um, no, well, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, I mean, it, to, to go on a little bit of a, 
tangent. It's interesting to me that these folks, the Tillersons or whatever, want credit for taking part in what they knew to be, uh, you know, a corrupt enterprise and then, you know, quitting and then saying nothing to warn the people uh, of what they had seen and that somehow this is a dignified or honorable position to take, um, you know, a la Mathis or whatever. Right. Um, as opposed to like you have an obligation and, and oaths that you swore to uphold the Constitution and protect the people of the United States by not saying something or actually abdicating that responsibility. Right, and and I think that the one thing I'll say is is when it comes to like the whistleblowers, you know, the whistleblower in this situation, which which we're going to get to now with with Ukraine. I mean, it it just shows you how much more important somebody like like that is i know there's another whistleblower that that's um i think coming out about some of his tax return stuff i mean i think that's that's important because it's important to highlight because you're right like mattis tillerson like these are all people who are you know they seem like the same people in the room but they're not now that they're not in the in the white house anymore they're still basically you know besides an occasional like funny line or a pot shot from like a you know in a, a town hall meeting or, or some speaking tour or something like that they're not really saying much and they're not really standing up for uh for what you think they would be no i mean that the the honorable thing to do would have been to have been uh, while you know while still employed there to resign and hold a uh, hold a press conference and say however bad you think it is it's 20 times worse here's the five illegal things here i mean he asked me to do this week. Yeah. Um, this person is unfit for office. Yep, yep. Anything well, less than that is unacceptable. Today's podcast is brought to you by McDougal Referee Grade Whistles. Made from stainless steel, McDougal's have supreme comfort, durability, and mouthfeel. Halloween's coming up, and dressing as a whistleblower is going to make you the life of the party. Make sure you make it a McDougal whistle. None of this plastic toy nonsense. McDougal referee grade whistles. When you want to blow, McDougal's the way to go. At this rate, the only future I see is everybody gets arrested by the thought police. So better say it now, better say it proud, better say it loud so it cuts through the crowd. Cause if everyone is talking, then nobody gets heard. I've been writing shit for years, but no one knows a word. So if you truly believe, you better not hold back. Let's get to the state of the stat. 185, which is 185 douchebag House Republicans voted to condemn and censure Adam Schiff. As absurd as that is, Corey, I got to ask, I mean, that is political. But how much of it does it really matter when it comes to Democrats controlling the House, meaning that Schiff is is obviously he's still going to be fine. He's not going to be censured or condemned um, and that Trump can still be impeached. At least, at least in the House of Representatives. Yeah, I mean, I think the, those House Republicans that move and the the moves taking place today with folks, you know, trying to decry these, uh, you know, constitutionally approved proceedings that are, um, you know, well within uh, what was outlined in those framing documents to somehow be illegitimate or partisan is a reflection of desperation. Uh, 
it is a you know they refuse to answer questions about the substance because they know that there's no defense so all that's sort of left is to throw up this cloud of oh well let's make it seem like there's something untoward let's make it seem like they're trying to keep this secret from the american people and not let the republicans answer questions and say that they've been you know gunning for trump since the day he took office as opposed to engaged on the substance because you know there's the the lawyerly adage which i'm not going to try and do verbatim about you know if you got them on the law pound the law blah blah blah. and if you don't have anything you pound the table and they're at the they're at the pound the table stage um, which they got to pretty quickly and that censure is very much that tactic of let's try and uh, make it seem like um you know all the democrats are on this side of this thing and the republicans are united in wanting a fair and transparent process uh, as opposed to what's actually happening, which is the Republicans want there to be one set of rules when they do something like the Star Chamber and the uh, you know Clinton impeachment or the Benghazi hearings, which were conducted under classification despite there being no classified material. Versus now, um, when the you know Democrats are proceeding very much by the book, the Republicans just don't like to not be in control of this process because they know it's damaging, um, right. and that's it's not a legitimate argument, but. The reality is that there are so many people out there that receive their information in you know a Facebook headline uh, that it's a, it's enough to sort of muddy it um, a little bit. Yeah, and I think that and we talked about this before we went on, which is I think just a huge part of the the strategy from Republicans and hell, it's been basically the strategy from you know it's like Cold War propaganda. You, you know, you basically. <laughs> put out a bunch of information, you know, it doesn't matter how much of it's necessarily true or not. It's it, the idea is to muddy the waters, create cynicism among the public and, and basically get them to tune off uh, of, of what's going on. And I mean, I can't imagine another person in, in, in government who does things more by the book than Adam Schiff. Like the man, like the amount of times that I scream and curse at the TV when I'm reading, you know, what's going on. And then I see Adam Schiff come on CNN and he's just very calm. And like, by the, I'm like that, I feel like his heart rate doesn't get above like a, like 150 anyway. But like, I, the idea that like this guy needs to be condemned and censured is, is just wholly, I mean, like just on this, so fucking absurd in my mind. Yes. And I, I mean, I, I think that it speaks volumes about just like like I mentioned like where the Republicans are that their their sort of last little shred of an argument is is process um, and it would be you know pathetic and, and funny and laughable and everything else if it if I didn't think that it, in certain places it would uh, you know be somewhat effective yeah yeah a um, couple more quick questions for you I mean when it comes to sort of the Democrats. I mean, Nancy Pelosi from the left and, and progressives has, uh, has obviously gotten some flack on, on maybe how she's taken on Trump in the past. But it seems like, obviously, when it comes to what's gone on with Ukraine and this impeachment process, things have moved very fast and, and there's been growing public support. How would you rate how, how she's done and how Democrats have done and then also sort of like where this what happens going forward with the whole impeachment investigation? Like, do you think this could, could maybe last all the way up till November, 2020 or, or where do you, where do you see it going? Sure. A lot of questions in there. I actually don't <laughs> think Nancy, I don't, I personally don't think Nancy Pelosi should get much credit because her hand was 
pretty much forced, and she probably would have liked to have put this off until forever. Um, I don't, I mean, not knowing, like, having sat down and talked to her, I'm just conjecturing here. But, I mean, the hand was pretty much forced with the public disclosure of the Ukraine thing, and it it has very quickly shifted public opinion uh, to where you now have the majority of the country and a decent percentage of Republicans saying not only should Trump be impeached, but he should be removed from office. And that those kinds of numbers, for example, uh, didn't impact Nixon until after he already resigned. You didn't right. see these kinds of numbers, right? And we're just a few weeks into this on a very narrow set of a wide possible range of you know, Trump criminal behaviors. So to me, it speaks to why, for the love of God, when you know who this guy is, were you not holding public hearings, uh, you know, eight months ago? I mean, you could have had eight months worth of uh, people testifying and contractors that he shirked and um, whatever you want to, you know, throw in, throw in the bag. You have your pick, none of which would have been good for him. Uh, and I, I do think that moving forward, the strategy of keeping it narrowly focused on the Ukraine stuff is sort of um, self-defeating. Not that I don't think that there's enough there. I think that there's enough just within the Ukraine to implicate a pretty significant portion of the administration in that criminal conspiracy. But as I mentioned previously, it it, it seems impossible based on what we know that you know, just based on what we know about how they handled call transcripts and what they put on this secret server, uh, that this is the only thing. I mean, they should be subpoenaing um, for the information in the transcripts of the calls with the Saudis that ended up on that server, um, you know, for the notes from the translator um, from the summit uh, when it was just, you know, him, Putin, and the translator uh, gabbing it up. All those things should be on the table, and I, I can't for the life of me imagine what benefit it would provide to the Democrats to limit it uh, other than some sort of artificial timetable because just that, you know, when you turn over one crime, you uncover yeah. all these other people to talk to about more crimes, but I don't see that as a negative. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it ironic that it comes down to like, a, not not that it all comes down to this, but like that maybe, maybe his, his reason for impeachment is due to an alternative server. I mean, I feel like that is the ultimate, like, you know, like uh, maybe Alanis Morissette should be played during the, uh, the, vinyl, the final vote in the House of, of this impeachment. The the Today's podcast is brought to you by the Democratic Debates. Progressive to moderate, moderately progressive, and progressively moderate. Gather around your TVs so we can gather around our podiums. We've got 12 more of these things. Hours upon hours of debates on the same subjects. Break out those lozenges, candidates. You've got a massive amount of yelling to do. The Democratic debates. Is 10 co-presidents an option? We think that might be a thing. That might be a thing. Yeah, let's do that. Wait, where was I? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump. Fuck that guy. Well, it's easy to believe that we all been deceived by a narcissistic prick dick with tricks up his sleeve. Like we never had sex but got an STD. But Trump is a symptom. He ain't the disease. For that bug, you better call the GOP. Those mother- There's been talk about like, this abuse of power narrative, right? Where, uh, you know, it, which sounds like it could encompass more than just Ukraine. 
Do you think that that is a good strategy for Democrats to take this this idea that I mean it's already getting refuted publicly by by Republicans like well that's not you know that's not abuse of power is not a crime but like that that could be a good strategy for them to take because it it can encompass more than just Ukraine it can encompass tax returns etc. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it seems it seems crazy to me that the Republican argument is basically uh, boiled down to at this point like crimes aren't crimes if Trump does it. I mean, that's basically where they are. Yeah. So you have to have your, uh, as I saw somebody describe him on Twitter, uh, the exoskeleton that Krang wore, um, the you know, <laughs> former in, interim AG, <laughs> does yeah. look like the Ninja Turtles villain. Uh, oh, Matt, you're saying yeah. abu- abuse of power is not a crime. That's that's pretty breathtaking uh, in its audacity. <laughs> I mean, it's, they they are moving pretty quickly into an explicitly, uh, and they, you know, if you ask me, they've been there for a while, authoritarian stance of the only thing that, mal- uh, that matters is the exercise of, of power. Uh, and that that's a pretty, a pretty tough sell to make if your strategy is to... Uh, mobilize the voting population into win elections um it's a whole different uh ball game if that is not in fact your strategy which i'm sort of beginning to suspect that's not the republican strategy but i think it's a pretty tough sell to say um yes we are corrupt uh or you know as mick mick <laughs> deal with it or get over it yeah yeah <laughs> i'm starting to think the most the most alcoholic mayor in america may uh may get get handcuffed and taken to jail soon what do you think i really hope so i mean it, i don't know how much time you have left maybe we'll make it a, a bonus sized episode but i think that what makes reporting on this difficult or what makes uh you know the mainstream media who i have a critique of that's vastly different than trump which is that uh they have a most uh, outlets have a tendency to try and like normalize something or to fit it into a, an existing box of, okay, well, the Republicans are in power this time around and yeah. you know it goes this way and then the Democrats are in power and it goes that way and kind of want to fit what they see into those, those series of existing frameworks, uh, whereas not necessarily in the article that we've been talking about, but in, in previous pieces that I've written, I've uh, sounded the alarm and, dis- and you know put forward pretty significant body of evidence that you know the the corruption and even the involvement in criminal conspiracy goes well beyond trump uh obviously uh it's obviously that just within the ukraine it goes to most members of his administration but beyond that the two um parnas and uh Froome and the associates of giuliani that were arrested at the airport they were funneling money, uh, you know, from from Russian mob sources, millions and millions of dollars from these sources into the GOP. Right? right. The fact that that is not, you know, just blaring from every news source every day speaks to this tendency to just downplay what you see right in front of your face, which is the NRA was described by a Senate investigation as acting as an unregistered foreign agent. They spent twice as much on this election. All that money came from Russia. All this money that came through these guys went to the GOP. It went to the governor of the state that I live in. 
who there's a video of him, uh, you know, hugging this dude. Yeah. So to me, you know, the only explanation of their behavior consistent with uh, the data that we have, uh, you know, why are they so willing to go go to the mat for Trump is that there's some culpability. Um, You know, Pete Sessions has been subpoenaed. uh, But I think it's people don't want to say, okay, well, there's a vast criminal conspiracy and all the GOP is corrupt, except that when you look at when you look at it, that's actually what's staring you in the face. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And and I do think you see some of that on. Like I think this morning, uh, gosh, I can't remember the the former congressman Dent, Dent Charlie Dent from Pennsylvania, got into it with. I don't know why the fuck CNN hired Sean Duffy, but they did. Um, yeah, because CNN is garbage. Yeah, I mean, but they, I mean, it's like they're they're going back and forth and making headlines, and because Charlie Dent's like, you know, who is a very like measured guy is like, yeah, the reason why I call out Trump is because like I don't have a heat seeking missile from my nose up his ass or something like that. You know, like I'm not, yeah. and and I think like that's kind of. That's to some level got to be more of the narrative and it's got to come from Republicans, right? Like it's got to be, I, I wish by the way that there was an, a news outlet that instead of just saying like breaking news all the time, like they would just, instead of the, the words breaking news, Colin, it should just say, holy fucking shit exclamation point. Because like yeah. that is, I mean, I mean that is like, like you said, like one of the guys rested at the airport uh, involved in this with Giuliani is like giving Ron DeSantis a back massage when he got, you know, yep. <laughs> elected yeah, yeah. to be governor. It's, it's the whole thing is ridiculous. From, from Ponte Vedra, by the way. Oh, I don't know if you knew that. That's, yeah, <laughs> that is our hometown for, for the listeners out there. He's, uh, right. he's on the wall of, I'm sure he's like on, uh, like the local, like, uh, bars, uh, wall of fame right. or whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> last question I got for you. Uh, goes to your headline we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that trump will lose in 2020 then refuse to step down how do individuals i mean forget the government all that kind of, i mean republicans and everything else how how do you see individuals like what can individuals do if they read your article and they go yeah this is a possibility like maybe i need to be more active. how do you prepare yourself for something like that so i actually saw um a pretty amazing thread that somebody did all the heavy lifting for me last night on putting together the answer to this question from a uh, person named Justin Hendricks, uh, who's formerly from The Economist, but he wrote this like long thread of like, here's exactly what you, the citizen, can do uh, in response. And it's it's a lot of the mobilizing. We had a conversation prior to the, the taping here about the mass mobilizations in Hong Kong and Chile uh, and Haiti. Uh, but there are some organizations that I think are sort of waiting right now. Um, and I think that that's the feeling you get is like, okay, well, let's see if this constitutional process plays out the way that it should. Let's yeah. see if, uh, you know, enough Senate Republicans recognize the, the need to preserve our institutions and, and do the right thing. If that's not what happens, uh, you know, there are some options. So, uh, there's an organization called Stand Up America, uh, which you can just go to their site and kind of put in your information, and it'll it'll give you tools to send a letter to your editor um, to about why your rep should be in favor of impeachment. Um, and then Indivisible um, has 
has put together a, a team impeachnow.org um, that has you know events where you can target uh, congressional leaders and senators and then there's a thing that's called TikTok tiktoktimesup.org where there's actually a bunch of events um, coming up in November to apply public you know public pressure towards impeachment and then uh, impeach.org has these events that are sort of the the one in the chamber for if uh, you know the the Senate doesn't do the right thing, then there's some mass demonstrations, etc. Then um, that's impeach.org again. So those uh, thanks again to you know Justin Hendricks for putting these together. Uh, but those are some pretty handy starting points uh, for what to do. And I think that like the general through line here is like the power of mass mobilization. I think sort of. Um, doesn't get remarked upon and has a has a different um, footprint media wise in the U.S. and in other Western democracies. And I think like the biggest thing that we can do is commit ourselves to uh, you know taking part in these things when and if we need to. That's right. Give a shit, people. Give a shit. Yes. I think Agreed. I think and we were talking before like you know the you, you know on a mass level it's it, it, you can actually create change, but also just individually. Like that feeling of cynicism that happens when we were talking about San Francisco and how, you know, you see there's there's lots of homeless people in San Francisco and it it can feel uh, pretty unfulfilling a lot of times when you just, you, you know, you see somebody suffering and you feel like you're not, you know, what what can I do? But even even like just action makes you feel better. And, and, and it's not just like, oh, I just did something. Let me tweet about it. But it's also like, no, you actually did something. And there's like that sense of um, self-decency. <laughs> and I think it, yes. I think that's the thing that can combat, uh, I think, the feeling that a lot of people who probably listen to the podcast and, and all around feel is, is just this effort uh, or this like lack of like we are not able to do something and, and this just general cynicism that goes on. So, um can't uh, you you provided some great resources there and and uh, yeah take take action people <laughs> agree wholeheartedly uh cory thanks so much for being the guest uh state of the sat correspondent if you haven't um checked out cory's article you should it's 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 very good it's very thoughtful it get you get you thinking maybe get you motivated it's in the independent it's called we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that trump will lose in 2020 then refuse to step down. Uh, thanks so much, Corey. Uh, I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pumpkins. It's October. It's our time to shine. Carve us up or put us in a pie. Fuck you, turkeys. You can wait. Get a pumpkin before it's too late. This message brought to you by the American Gourd Association. We had 11 months, and that's the best we could come up with. Pumpkins! the disease for that bug you better call the GOP those motherfuckers are headed for the DOC environmental neglect and manipulating elections and a hundred other crimes that we can't quite see Trump is just the top of the pyramid scheme if the popular vote don't win what does it mean this mountain of bullshit it ain't the same as a pulpit what a goddamn sham American dream if you guys enjoyed the podcast please subscribe on iTunes tell your friends about it. tell it's tell your friends 
it's the best goddamn you thing you've ever heard of in your life. Okay, and uh, if you don't feel that way, um, lie to them and say it's the best goddamn thing you've ever heard in your life. Also, if you uh, if you enjoyed Corey, uh, like I said, read his article in the Independent. You can also check him out on Twitter at NewsChill. That's at NewsChill on Twitter. Uh, and Mike Stocksdale, our musician, uh, a resident musician, he's got a project called SideQuest. Amazing stuff. He's a phenomenal musician. He lives in L.A. He plays uh, Hotel Cafe, all the, all the big gigs. He's at uh, Troubadour, I think, recently. Check him out on Twitter, at Mike Stocksdale. Check out his music on his website, MikeStocksdale.com. And, of course, Jake the Snake Craney, our, uh, our fake news sponsor, uh, the best pipes in the business. Uh, and, and he does it for free because I, I don't pay. I'm cheap as fuck. Uh, he's at Jake Craney on Twitter. Check him out as well. Thanks so much for listening and supporting. And I will talk with you next week if I decide to put out a podcast and, and be responsible. I think I'll do that. Godspeed. <laughs>